What's up? You're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, where fashion meets technology. I'm your host, Amanda Costco. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome back. Earlier this summer at WWDC, that's Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, the company unveiled what we can expect from iOS 12. One of these updates included Memojis, the ability to create a custom emoji that looks just like you. As the lines between the real and the digital continue to blur, we as humans continually seek ways to represent our physical selves in the digital world. After all, we as human bodies are limited to this world, at least for now. Avatars aren't a new idea. Ask anyone who's used Bitmoji or who plays the game Second Life. But what is new is how these avatars are seemingly taking on a life of their own. Take little Michaela for example, and if you're not following her on Instagram, you should check it out. It's L-I-L-M-I-Q-U-E-L-A. From the looks of her Instagram feed, little Michaela seems like a typical 21-year-old. She likes fast food, hanging out with her friends, and posting pictures of her outfits. But there's one thing you should know. Little Michaela isn't real at all. She's a computer-generated image, or CGI. Although she's a fictional character, little Michaela boasts more than 1.2 million followers on Instagram. Her popularity has led to real-world partnerships with fashion brands including Prada, Diesel, and Montclair. She's bringing in real-world money, too. This spring, her creators, a Los Angeles-based design agency, secured $6 million in funding from Silicon Valley venture firms. Little Michaela isn't the only virtual influencer rising to fame. Across Instagram, avatars including Shudu Graham and Bermuda is Bay are racking up thousands of followers and garnering attention from makeup and beauty brands alike. At once, these characters highlight the constructed nature of online profiles while exploiting the influence economy. Today's episode is all about virtual influencers and avatars and how they fit into the future of fashion. First, we'll hear from Ramona Pringle. Ramona is a journalist and technology expert whose work focuses on avatars and the relationships between humans and their technology. So Ramona, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. So as I understand it, you do lots of work with avatars and kind of like virtual representations of people's selves. What is a virtual influencer and how does it differ from an avatar in your opinion? So I'm just going to preface all of this because I don't know if you'll be able to cut clean up all the audio by saying I have a very real little human who's sitting on my lap right now and making squeaky little noises. But it's true. You know, I've spent a lot of my professional career looking at studying avatars and our relationship with them, specifically our relationship with each other through them, sort of avatars as a representation of ourselves and our relationships with each other often mediated through these virtual entities. And what's interesting about this new breed of avatars that you're speaking about is that, you know, they're not the assumption or sort of the what they're projecting is not that they're digital representations, but that they are 
they they can fool the human eye, that they seem human. It's not sort of the uncanny valley that we've experienced before, whereby it seems so close, you know, the kind of final fantasy avatar, which is, I think, often what we think of as that pinnacle of the avatar, which seems almost human, almost photorealistic, but just not quite. And that's what always sort of creeps us out. And it's interesting now to see when it does fool us, are we as creeped out? Are we not really creeped out? Or, you know, does it successfully fool us enough in sort of thinking that it's one of us? Yeah. And so what do you think about the fact that these virtual creations that maybe are created in the image of like a, a demographic or a sort of real counterpart, but the actual real counterpart doesn't exist? What do you think about when they are having these collaborations with fashion houses and now garnering influence to sell real world products for real world money? Does that cross a line in your mind? Or how, how, how are you thinking about that? Well, you know what's so interesting about that? I think very often we look for the kind of novelty or the sensationalism around new digital phenomena. I think we, we have a desire to sort of be afraid. Uh, Hollywood and science fiction has done a lot of that. And yet, if we look at you know, Hollywood's a great model. This idea of the fabricated teen idol is nothing new. You know, you go back decades and just because it was a real human being, the kind of backstory and image of teen idols, of pop stars has always been fabricated as eras have you know, have to, as time has passed and our digital means have become better and better, that line has blurred. You know, in recent years, we've seen Hollywood celebrities speaking out because of how much they're photoshopped on the covers of magazines. And it's arguable to say just because it may be, we may know who, you know, let's say it's Kate Winslet, who the original person is that that image is based on, that it's not a digital fabrication. But when she says, listen, 50% of my image has been digitally manipulated on the cover of something, you know, it's a, the precedent is there for these very real looking characters that are based on, uh, you know, obviously based on real assets, but, but that are fabricated. And so I think it's not necessarily as much of a departure as thinking about the as purely virtual avatars seems like. That said, you know, there's also the precedent of the 3D avatar pop stars coming out of Japan. And that that's, I think, where we get a little bit more nervous as well. This isn't a real human being. And yet we have been getting to this place over decades whereby there's a fabricated persona, there's fabricated backstories where we use digital tools to manipulate them and make them perfect. And I think that it's all just as our technology advances, this seems like a natural point that we've gotten to. So I think on one end, we think it's a huge departure. But on the other hand, I think there's actually been sort of a, a pretty steady evolution to get to this point, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. My next question was going to be, what are the ethical implications? But I think you already answered that. So I don't know. Well, I'm happy to speak. Actually, I, I think I can speak to the ethical implications okay, sure. as, as well. You know, the ethical implications is something that we have to take, take into account in all of these situations. And, it, you know, even when we think about uh, how we're using digital means to alter real people. Let's say it is, you know, a female celebrity on the cover of a magazine and and taking her from a size eight to a size two. There's huge ethical implications in terms of that. You know, this idea of the perfect image and what sort of the industry is 
projecting to young girls, young audiences as that image of perfection through digital means. There's a huge, there's a lot of ethical uh, implications to be considered around that. And then certainly, you know, if you've just got your digital toolkit and you're putting together this character that's entirely virtual and it is an image of perfection, I think that's something that we need to be concerned about as well is what are we modeling? There's also the ethics just in terms of what are the stories that we create and, you know, long term, and this is a concern that comes up when we look at how these things take physical form as well and when they become uh, embodied or robots is how do we treat them? What are our, you know, what are the ethical considerations in terms of something that seems human but isn't? And are we willing to see it in scenarios that, you know, a human wouldn't want to be put in? If they're doing photo shoots, you know, do we want to see them on the edge of a cliff? on the edge of a, you know, hundred story building. And, you know, are we, do we want to push these non-human entities to do things that humans wouldn't do? Because obviously there's no risk towards them, but there's questions for ourselves in terms of human ethics of why do we have this desire to see humanoid type images represented in some of these situations. So there's going to be, you know, there's going to be, it's an ethical minefield, absolutely, when we start blurring the line between digital and and real. But I think, again, the sort of precedent for it and for a lot of the questions is there if we look for it. Great, Ramona. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was my conversation with Ramona Pringle, a Canadian journalist and expert on avatars. Next up, we're speaking with Aurora Felice. Aurora is a designer who makes 3D clothing for real and virtual people. So Aurora, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Tell us about your 3D design work with avatar models. Okay, well, essentially... What I do is I, I do an end-to-end process that goes from the virtual prototype and then heads toward the 3D fantasy fashion shoot, or even better, a video. I do this for adventurous type of brands. I got into 3D design last year. I've always wanted to do fashion design, but I ended up on the other side of the industry doing presenting and fashion journalism because I was always someone who was not really someone who drew and I'm very bad with my hands. And actually I started, I tried to do latex uh, design myself and I'm like the sort of person that would glue my own hand to the table because I'm much more conceptual and I don't really work by hand. So when I discovered uh, 3D fashion design, it was like the thing that I'd always wanted to find. And I'm, I'm very passionate about people coming to me and telling me what their vision is and then giving them this absolute fantasy thing that's not bound by the regular stuff that governs what people can do with a photo shoot or a video shoot. Yeah, and so our audience can get a sense. We're going to put links to your videos up on Electric Runway so our audience can take a look. But for a designer or a fashion brand, what is the advantage of showcasing work this way as opposed to the traditional way of hiring models and doing a photo shoot or a runway show? Okay, first of all, from a, from a cost perspective, to, to put on a catwalk show 
or to try to put together a fantasy photo shoot. I mean, that runs into thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And you have a lot of drama. You have people coming in and doing hair and makeup and flights. I always want people to come to me and say something like, I want a model that looks like Naomi Campbell riding a camel in the desert. And then I want to be able to, through 3D design, get that for them. And I think the other thing is with the prototyping, people often have an idea for something and they're not sure if it's going to sell. So with a prototype and a photo shoot of an avatar wearing that prototype, you can see whether the people like it on Instagram first. You can show it to buyers. You're not making stuff and then finding out that people don't want to buy it. And I think that that's very essential. And also the time frame with all the trends toward fast fashion, you can have an idea, a drawing, and then you can be testing it out instantly, fairly instantly at least, much quicker and putting it on Instagram and getting the response. Right. So you're saying that the clothes don't even have to exist yet, but they can exist as an idea. You make them a quote unquote reality or at least a virtual reality. And then a designer could gauge feedback based on, you know, what the response on on social media, for example. Yes. And I think the real power of it is when the clothes don't have to exist first. And it, it, it leads to a lot more experimentation of what of what might be uh, variations that the designer might want to try. It makes alterations much quicker with prototyping. You can try it in different colors. Oh, I hated the stripes, but I like the polka dots. Okay. I got a great response on, on my Instagram feed from this or Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Therefore, I want to try this or I want to put it up in several variations on my web store. There's also a big trend, I believe, that's that's coming where people are using, instead of composite photography, they're using the 3D prototype. And I actually know someone who works with several brands that now instead of composite photography, they're putting the prototypes straight up on their web store. So that's another way. Wow. And and again, to get the data before the garment is actually produced, that's the idea there. Yeah, yeah, totally. And to, to make the process much more streamlined and quicker I can, for instance, generate a prototype from a sketch, from like sort of a style inspiration, mood board. I like, I actually enjoy trying to figure out how the pattern would be as well. So I don't need to be supplied with the pattern. So it could just be a sketch idea. Will this work? Can we try it? What type of model do we want to try it on? And, and, and what kind of scene do we want to try it with? And can I ask about the technology that you're using to bring these images to life? Yes. I mostly use two different softwares. I use one where I uh, generate the pattern. I draw out the pattern. And I use another for animation. And I use something that's kind of like Photoshop, but not Photoshop. Very cool. And so as we understand it, you just photographed an avatar model for a well-known fashion brand in London. What more can you tell us about this? Okay, so basically, I did it for William Wilde Latex, who makes latex clothes for people like Lady Gaga and Nicki Minaj and Kylie Minogue. 
And as I, as I mentioned, I'm a, a latex fan as well. He dictated to me what his fantasy photo shoot was. He decided to restyle one of the garments that he uh, has as a sort of a classic piece of his style. But he does that because latex, as long as it's hot and it's shiny and it's a little bit impractical, it never really goes out of style. So he sort of sells these things perpetually. So all the collections are always available to be custom made. Um, so we restyled the Latex Cindy set, and he told me that he wanted uh, he wanted a model with a slim hourglass body. He wanted cotton candy pink hair. He wanted a room with a leopard in the corner. He wanted a loft style thing, and he he wanted a neon sign with his name. So when you do a photo shoot uh, with an avatar model, you can change their hair color as many times per day as you want and they don't have to you don't have to worry about like a chemical accident <laughs> on their hair and you can uh, shoot her from from different angles and you can do things that you could never do in a real photo shoot like for instance I built him a neon sign with his name if he wanted a real neon sign with his name that would be hard to do Number one, you can do things like when he asked me, I I want a leopard statue in the corner. First, he said a leopard. I had to clarify. And I thought because he could actually have a leopard if he wanted a leopard in the corner, a real leopard, like a zoo type of leopard, he could have had one. Right. And you can do things like that without like an animal husbandry permit and, uh, you know, without risk to the model and things like that. So. This is a, a 3D photo shoot, and it's sort of similar to a regular photo shoot, but it's much more experimental and you can do a lot more things. Yeah, I mean, really, the world is your oyster and uh, even even not this world, any world. <laughs> you know, when you were talking about the model and the figure that was desired, it led me to think about, you know, this idea that is talked about a lot in fashion and in modeling about ideals of, of beauty. And what happens when we have models that are not real that are now setting the standards for what it means to be a woman or be a, a, a model? Do you think that this is going to be detrimental to body images? Or do you think it leaves more room and opportunity for different body types to be on display? I think it's more liberating for people looking at models and thinking, you know, I should be like that model. When you know the model herself, himself is not real, that's a, that's a freeing thing. So you're not really modeling yourself to be like a specific fashion model because you know that their beauty in a sense is somewhat unattainable because they aren't real. Another thing is that then we can question diversity in advertising uh, when using avatars. I think we are an experimental lot of people, and I think that we will have diversity there. There was a bit of controversy with Shudu Graham, the model, the fact that the guy who created her was a white man. I think we're pretty safe to experiment with avatars 
and uh, style them as we like, as long as we say this is a 3D digital model. I think when we try to say this is a real person, or we try to experiment with that in the media, we say, is it a real person? Isn't it a real person, et cetera, et cetera. I think if we say it's a 3D model, I think that that's okay. And that that will work for people. And yeah. And that leads me into my next question. As you know, we're talking this week about virtual influencers like little Michaela and Shudu Graham, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned. What do you think our appetite for or our obsession with virtual influencers says about us as a culture? To me, it says that the lines are blurring more and more and more and that we are slightly fearful of this, but we are also excited by this. And the thing that really stands out in my mind is that we have, through photoshopping real models, sort of blurred this line even more. There's something in science called the uncanny valley. And what the uncanny valley is, it refers to things where we're not sure if it's a human or if it's a machine. And things like prosthetics avatars, even a corpse, really, the th- things like that that are not uh, alive, exactly. Um, <laughs> but they look alive, um, right? They, they right. at first it, it, appear it, alive, they give the kind of trademarks of aliveness, but it takes that moment, the uncanny valley is like that moment in between realization that this is real, oh, this is not real. And it's this weird feeling that you get. So people have photoshopped themselves more and more. They look like avatars. Yes. Avatars have come on and become uh, more and more and more realistic. 3D technology has advanced. This line has gotten more and more and more blurry recently. That's why Shudu Graham was able to fool people into thinking she was a real model or a real person. She is a real model but she's not a real person. And that's something that it says about us. It says that we are intrigued by this blur and that this blur is here. It also shows me that it's more about storytelling in media versus realism, i.e. that everybody knows Michaela or most people know Michaela is, as she calls herself, a a robot. She's come out of the closet as a robot. But, you know, she had a a fight with one of her avatar cohorts and this is publicized and people are just amused by the story. I also think since people don't really look like people anymore, even if they are through Photoshop, we we look at them and we think, Hey, I like that outfit that Michaela is modeling for Prada. I like that Supreme shirt on Shudu Graham. Does it really matter that Shudu Graham is not an actual person? I don't know. I like the outfit. It looks real. And uh, I think that, that ultimately, not to get too philosophical, but ultimately it, it's about our, our experience of what it means to be to be a, a, a person. And it's empowering in that way, because it's not what we, we can have an experience in, in virtual reality or question what it means to, to be a person and to have a, a personal identity 
more than we we did before where it's like where we went to school etc etc i think it's really liberating for people well welcome to the uncanny valley thank you aurora so much for your thoughts on that (laughs) no problem That was Aurora Felice, a digital artist who creates virtual Vogue-style photo shoots, video lookbooks, and 3D fashion design. For images and video of her work, head to electricrunway.com and click on Podcasts. That's where you'll find all past and future episodes of the program. Finally, on today's show, we're going to hear from Will McReynolds. Will is the CEO and founder of KP9 Interactive and an augmented reality expert. He's here to share with us how his company is working to make avatars shoppable. Will, welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah. So as I understand it, you're working on making virtual avatars shoppable. Can you walk us through how the technology will work from a user experience perspective? Absolutely. So we see it in a way that with augmented reality shopping, we've been in the space for a bit. One of the things that is usually missing in the experiences is that call to action. So with our building the backend data solution for models, users can see the outfits, shop the look, and be able to touch each item to add to their shopping cart. We're going to put a video up on Electric Runway so that we can show users what you're working on. But one of the things that really impressed me was that you're actually able to examine the garment in detail so you can get really close to it and look at the stitching or look at some of the pattern on it, which is really neat. Right. So that was uh, version 1.0 of our of our demo. We're creating digital avatars ourselves in-house to be as photorealistic as possible with uh, anchoring them in the real world with our spin on things. We have a real penchant for making things look believable like they're in the real world. So anchoring with reflections on the floor and shadowing in the real world environment is, of course, important to us to have that sense of presence in your environment. And so we've seen fashion brands such as Zara experiment with this idea of digital avatars. What do you think differentiates your technology? Zara has a great application. Uh, A few points that we see that we differentiate on is uh, we're not locking the user to being at one location. They can exp- they can shop to look at home on their own time. There's Instead of having limited looks, we can have a category, uh, a database of different looks, having different model sizes available so that you can see an approximation of your, of your body type uh, as well. There's no call to action. Once the user's engaged in downloading the app and you're looking at it, once again, you're at the store, so that kind of makes sense that you can buy the look at that store. But we really feel that there should be more user engagement with the with what's in front of you. If you've invested the time to download an app and make it come to life, there should be further engagement for the brand. And so what do you think the barriers are for adopting this kind of technology right now? I think augmented reality isn't really new anymore, given Pokemon Go and given, you know, Snapchat filters. So like, what do you think the barriers are right now for fashion? When will we all be shopping in augmented reality? I've been in this space since 2011. And historically, the biggest barrier is education from the brand that there is an app to download to enhance the experience at your location or offsite marketing campaigns as we as we get more into web-based ar that's going to solve a lot of that that dilemma of having to download an app to see the item so that that's where we that's where we find that the barrier is education of how to use ar as well as having to download an app where it makes sense 
And do you think that with Apple's AR kit that they just released, it's not going to have to be app specific? It'll just be something eventually that's embedded into the camera of your phone? Uh, as WebGL gets more powerful, uh, that the technology for displaying 3D models on with AR Core AR kit and, and other computer visions, as mobile browsers allow the use of the camera and to display that that content, you definitely will see a shift to be able to look on a website and just push a button to bring it to life in front of you without downloading an app. That's that's where it will go. And what role do you think avatars and AR will play in the future of commerce, specifically when it comes to fashion and retail? Specifically in fashion retail, it's going to be, once again, be able to, as, as uh, Amazon has shown that online sales from the home have uh, greatly, you know, it's caused some brick and mortar stores to close down avatars can be that 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 element for the brand to engage in their user in a different way so the more believable and actionable we can make avatars with ai and machine learning for for remembering content that, that's really going to help drive that's where we see the vision is having that 24 7 salesperson for the brand That was Will McReynolds, CEO of KP9 Interactive. Thanks to Will, Aurora, and Ramona for taking the time to record for the show. What do you think about avatars and virtual influencers specifically? Tweet us at electric underscore runway. Have an idea for a show or know someone working at the intersection of fashion and tech who should be on the program? Email me, amanda at electricrunway.com with the subject line Electric Runway Podcast. We look forward to hearing from you. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, here's looking towards the future. Music from today's episode by Jeff Kale.